1: Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli.
2: I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast.
3: Well, it is day nine of the Australian Open. It's ten forty-seven PM. Yes, you heard that right, ten forty-seven PM. Wow! And you find us in the media cafe, which is utterly deserted. It's uh, it's giving zombie apocalypse up here because usually <laughs> we're up here having our having our daily salads and sort of mingling or trying to avoid mingling, (laughs) Um, (laughs) standing around waiting for for coffees Uh, and it's not like that at all right now, it's it's very calm and quiet.
4: Yeah, we've got a bank of ten screens to my left, to your right, where we're sitting in this little comfy soft furnishings bit Um, and uh, yes, we can see Zhang Xinwen walking down the Walk of Champions and the replaying matches and all this sort of stuff. But there's only us.
3: Yeah, and and it wasn't that long ago, only a few days ago, that these ten screens weren't enough, were they? You'd That's come right. up, you'd come up here to get your your salad. Matt doesn't, Matt's not as big a fan of the salads as
2: as I am, but I like the pre-made salads. Matt likes less a, faff.
3: Matt, yeah, it is quite a lot of faff, and <laughs> yeah, there's always a miscommunication. No, I wanted that lettuce, not that lettuce. Anyway,
4: and they insist on putting fruit on it.
3: Yeah, there's not a separate. Um, it's not a separate bowl for the fruit. Look, the salad bar offering is fantastic, <laughs> but I would make it. I would make a couple of adjustments. You have to sort of use a cucumber as a breakwater between the <laughs> uh, between the fruit yeah. and the veg elements of the salad. I but try to but I, I'm, a, I'm quibbling. I'm, I'm quibbling. to sneak up with a separate plate. What but, I was what I was trying to say. Good gag Dave. You usually have a go at me for my Partridge references. We're, <laughs> I we're didn't vibing here. We're I didn't vibing make one. You did. I did. Well, accidentally. Accidental Partridge. Um yeah, what I was trying to say was this bank of 10 screens,
2: which is actually only 8 screens. Yeah. I, don't quite know I wasn't where we got point. 10 from.
3: It was quick quick maths. <laughs> Eight screens anyway, folks. I will get to the not even particularly interesting point eventually. Um, a few days ago, it wasn't enough, was it? You'd come up here for your lunch and be like, oh, well, I have to eat it at my desk because they're not showing the match that I need to be no. following.
2: No, but day one, nothing enrages me more than when all of these eight screens are showing the same match. <laughs> they do do that, don't they? Why do yes. they do that? It's like there's literally play on so many courts and, and we're showing one match eight times. And...
3: and- Anything else anyone needs to get off of their chest before we <laughs> these, move on? These
2: are very tennis insider <laughs> problems, aren't
3: they? Yeah, get the there's a there's a massive storm at home. Everyone's fences have come down. People the people have got holes in their roofs and people are getting their tiny violins out for us. Um, I Jun Wen actually that you mentioned. We've just watched watched her walking off Rod Laver Arena uh, down that walk of champions. She'll be coming into press shortly. It was actually her that I wanted to start off talking about really because we've had all our quarterfinals set today the final ones on the men's and women's side and she's in them she will face Anna Kalinskaya in in the quarter final she's in this half of the draw which has been utter carnage for a few days now and the carnage (laughs) continued today that that top half of the women's draw is just utterly decimated and Zheng Chin-wen, having only ever reached one Grand Slam quarterfinal before in her life, and that was at the last major at the US Open at the end of last year, she found herself tonight in a position and continues to find herself in a position where she's in the fourth round of a slam and she's the favourite to reach the final. Wow. Every match she plays now, she's expected to win. And yet, if she keeps winning from this point onwards, it's going to be very much mining new territory for her and usually a young player even an extremely talented and promising young player in her position is given sort of the grace of having the unexpected run and oh how far can she go this is all a big big bonus and she's ahead of the curve and all of that she's doing it in a completely different position of well look at that draw she has to reach the final now and that's it's quite a big deal for her is especially given the whole Lena of it all she she was asked just now about about Lena's presence here and meeting her for the first time a couple of days ago in that glorious moment where Lena surprised her that's uh, that's gone viral on on social media and she said that Lena had given us some very useful advice which is just to try not to think about it all too much and just to play which obviously is excellent advice but also obviously is incredibly hard to carry through. But look, the, the match she played tonight was there's, there's not much to report from it really. Fifty nine minutes against an injured and just totally inferior opponent in in Oceano six love six three. But I do find the position that Zheng Qinwen finds herself in right now completely fascinating.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, it would have been very easy to spot. Despite the opponent tonight, for her to come out and freeze, this is, as you say, this gaping opportunity, and so many people are now looking at her. She has got real star quality, she's got champion-like tools, she feels like somebody who's going to be something and has done for a while, but went, went a bit off the boil for a year and looked lost, really. And then she worked with Wim for set, and then there was the fallout. But then she started to really put it all together and, and looked the business at the end of last year and at the start of this year, and she's carried it on to this event. And on that Rod Laver arena, I was a few metres away from her in our commentary box, ground level. She just looked like she owned the place in a very... Not not in a sort of arrogant way, just in a in a I belong kind of way. And I think she has got it in her to to, to do what, what she's favoured to do. I think the one player that makes me wonder whether there could be a spanner in the works is Linda Noskova. But I'd still expect Jung to go through.
2: Yeah, I think that's a very interesting point about the pressure that she's facing here. But you would rather have it this way round, I think. Like, I know she is facing that pressure, but this... She's got to tell herself that this is a good situation that she she finds herself in. Like, this is a dream draw. And I know that, obviously, that comes with its own pressure, but, you know, she's up against people who are sort of thinking the same thing, that it's it's an opportunity for them, and they've not got the experience either. Like... She's got more than them. She's... Exactly. Like, I, I... I, I can see how she would be feeling a lot of pressure but she's got to she's got to grab this opportunity as as what it is and 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 I, and I think she will today was a good good start for that like as as bad as Osian Dordain was and <laughs> it was a bit of a horror show it let's be honest bad. certainly in the first set Junchen Wen was on it immediately and um she'd had some some pretty you know close matches so far she'd lost a set in in a couple of rounds but this was ruthless and efficient and that was really impressive
3: she'll play Anna Kalinskaya in the quarterfinals in a couple of days time who of course benefited from from the ultimate good draw beating Jasmine Paolini today in uh, in two straight sets is that gag over now yes
4: I I think it is and (laughs) and, and, uh, but uh, but I tell you what that is an upset I I didn't watch the match I remember I walked past both players in the the preparation area down below and and jasmine paolini went bounding past and looked like she was just on a mission to go and take out take her out and i really thought she would and she lost heavily i mean it was i think six four six two or something like that and i i was commentating on another match at the time so I, i can't tell anything about it but i know i'm surprised because well she had the opportunity i mean i wonder what she's thinking now
3: She's thinking this was still an incredibly good tournament, I would have thought. But yeah, I mean, look, this, this opportunity, this word opportunity is just... It, it, it's hanging over the women's draw. Yeah. And and it was at the start of today. It is even more so at the end of today, with Victoria Azarenka going out, with Alina Svitolina going out. We'll come on to talk about this in a moment. And Azarenka, actually, after her loss to Diana Estremska earlier, she was... Asked about whether she feels there is extra tension floating around in this half of the women's draw because of how much opportunity there is, because of how much it's opened up. And she said, yep, yeah, there mm. is. Wow.
2: And, and you'd have thought that she'd be the one Absolutely. who to sort of be able to deal with that. You know, I remember a couple of nights ago when, when we were thinking who's going to come through this, this top half, we all instinctively went with sort of experience players who've maybe been there and done it in Azarenka's case or at least been to latter stages of Grand Slams in someone like Svitolina's case and yeah that well we were wrong <laughs> in tennis podcast shocker
3: yeah and I think that's kind of what Azarenka was trying to say as well that she expected right. that to be an advantage that she had over everybody else and, and it look it just wasn't today. The the Victoria Azarenka that I watched beat Yelena Ostapenko in the previous round simply did not show up today. It was like I don't know, just, I don't think there was a single ball she struck today that looked as well struck Hmm. as pretty much every ball that she was hitting a couple of days ago against Ostapenko. She made life hard for herself by not not serving well. I mean, that was so notable from how she played against Ostapenko. But off the ground. I mean, every shot just sounded like a bit of a bit of a miss hit, or certainly not not a sweet connection. That's how, that's how it looks all. from it was
4: ground level. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it I, was,
3: I was. It was weird from Azarenka. Yeah, I
4: thought, and and you know, she was so pumped up. The way I mean, she carries such presence when she walks out there, and she was a break up. I think twice in that first set. She was five four up in the tie break. And then she was three love up in the second set. Mm. Point for four love. You know, this, this should not have happened. I mean, is having a good tournament, and she I felt she was p- pretty fearless out there. In terms, of, By contrast, she went for it. But I'm still really shocked that Azarenka didn't find a way today. She looked really stressed, like, just pissed off. She looked... When, when, when she lost, what was it, four games in a row in that second set, she turned around... And she just started clenching her fist between games, like, come on. You you could feel the opportunity. It more makes sense now.
3: Mm. She was trying to force it, wasn't she? Yeah. She was like, how can I not be showing up? How can my game not be showing up now? In In, Australia. in, In Australia, in these circumstances, how can this be happening now? And how can I not have control over that? How can I not be able to make it happen um, and that just must that feeling of impotence and helplessness must just be ghastly as a tennis player but i did expect her her experience to win out today and generally in this top half of the draw and <laughs> i did not account for Diana Ostremska i'm a little bit of fighter in hmm. the words of yostremska she was she was overpowering Azarenka today. You know those those performances that we've seen from Azarenka. Well, we've wondered, gosh, has the game just moved on a little bit from her? She she just she looked underpowered today. Yastremska was the one with the weapons and the aggression, and there was it was an incredible line in her press conference where she was asked. Of course, a lot of the the press conference focused on her being a Ukrainian player and with Svitolina going out today she is flying the flag for Ukraine and this half of the draw there's obviously Marta Kostyuk is as, as well in the bottom half of the draw she plays Coco Golf tomorrow but those two are, are a real story and she's quite happy to talk about being a, a flag bearer for Ukraine so that was a, a big topic of conversation she was asked what will people think back home of your win and your run and she said yeah they'll be really proud of me but They'll also wonder where I've been for the past few years with a game like this.
4: Oh, great quote.
3: <laughs> I thought it was an amazing line. She said she's really felt the pressure of being a talented youngster. Um, and she's. I don't think she was making accusations about external pressure. I mean, she's obviously aware of external pressure, but she was mostly talking about internal pressure and and how much she's placed on herself. And she said she really tried at the start of this year to relax and try and shake all that off. And that seems to have worked.
2: Well, she has a dynamite game, doesn't she? she? Yeah, she does. It's a streaky game, isn't it? Yes. Like, it, mm. it, it does seem to either be, be on or off. Um, quite quite impressive looking at her qualifying results here. Like, those, those were the hard-fought matches, those were the ones where she was dropping the sets and having to come through against, you know, far lower-ranked players. She's actually come through the main draw pretty convincingly in, in all of her matches. I think she's only dropped the one set um, in the main draw. And, yeah, like, she can hit so many winners. She can o- she can overwhelm you. And, and she did that to Azarenka. Exactly as you said, you know, I always think of Azarenka as a... As a power player, the one who likes to get on top of the rallies, and that that just wasn't happening today and you know I think that's partly on azarenka as as you've described but it's it also says a lot about Yostremska and yeah, I mean we've probably been wondering that same thing in terms of where where she's been you know I'm sure if we went back four or five years, Yostremska I feel like she emerged around a similar to sort of the time as Iga Świątek actually yeah. in, in sort yeah, of yeah. she did into yeah. the 2019 that that sort of period. I'm sure we would have really talked up her game and yeah, it's, it's obviously been been difficult, but this has been this has been an incredible run. And, and just
3: th- just little newsletter teaser,
2: please, please. Oh, yeah. for you. Now we're talking. Uh,
3: the, the fact of Daniel Schemska being a qualifier into the quarterfinals. Uh, I don't want to give the game away too much, but I will say that Matt's stats today pertains to that fact mm. and i've never seen him work so hard on the stat <laughs> no don't way. make it all for nothing folks mm. subscribed yeah. to the newsletter hold on a
4: minute we've we've done probably about 300 newsletters <laughs> in the last he, four years he
3: wanted the tennis to finish later so to buy himself more time to finish the <laughs> so stat you've done, he was rooting for <laughs> yeah, for a down fight back screw the curfew
2: <laughs> you've, you've
4: definitely done 300 odd stats and mm. this is the hardest you've ever worked.
3: Well, that's my take, anyway. It's got to be
2: up there. It's up there for sure. It is up there. I had to had to trawl through about I don't know, a hundred and fifty different drawers. Oh.
3: <laughs> what? <laughs> there was an something it, like that. There was, was this happening? A, a spreadsheet was I'm sourced. Dead. A spreadsheet was sourced from the ITF things things were happening you did go quiet for a while Mm. on the
4: old whatsapp (laughs) Mm.
3: (laughs) so yeah do subscribe to the newsletter folks I am absolutely certain that stat will not disappoint only
4: had time to watch the Buffalo Bills
3: (laughs) where's all this gone we weren't going to talk about that David.
2: sorry tough day
3: speaking of tough days thanks for the segue Matt Alina Svitolina Um, gosh what a what a downer this was let's just get it out of the way um, walked on court. I think she said she she felt a, a bit of stiffness and pain before walking onto uh, the second court today, but kind of put it down to, you know, the stresses and strains of being in the second week of a Grand Slam. Didn't think too much of it. And in the first game, her back spasmed and completely locked up. She said, it felt like someone shot me in the back. Oh, and, I feel so sorry uh, for it. Instantly instantly looked to be game over she struggled on for a couple of games before the inevitable happened and she had to retire and it was clear she was she, she did very well to come to press because she was in pain she kind of was moving very stiffly and awkwardly and she she's another one she knew the opportunity that this was she knows she won't get a better chance than this to reach reach a Grand Slam final that that doesn't mean she'd have taken it if she was fit doesn't mean she won't get another chance but she won't get a better chance than this one and it's just it's just heartbreaking for her it's heartbreaking for us because I think we're all all in on the Alina Svitolina story aren't we not just because of the Ukraine of it all and the coming back from childbirth, but also her remodelling her game. That's just such a brilliant
4: story. I love somebody reinventing themselves game-wise, especially because... Usually, that means they've added and become more ambitious and aggressive. That you don't usually go the other way.
3: <laughs> it's a good point, actually, isn't it? Uh, when, when
4: was the last big hitter you, <laughs> you, you found out was doing, yeah. you know, shuttle runs in I've, the back of the court?
3: <laughs> I've decided to just hit more rally balls down the middle. Um, yeah, it's it's oh, it's just gutting for Svitolina.
2: Yeah, it, it just it was just a horrible moment, and and it was sort of double-edged in terms of what I found really just such a shame about this is that we didn't get to see Linda Noskova in the environment of trying to back up that big win you know that was something I really wanted to try and find out and learn about her and unfortunately you know it just it just wasn't a match because obviously Svitolina had to had to retire so soon and that was a shame as well. You know, I was really looking forward to that aspect mm. of the match.
3: We, we still can't answer anybody's questions about Linda Noskova. We have no new data points, and the, the questions are still coming. I,
2: I have, <laughs> I don't have a data point, but you have you have Noskova. I have an, an anecdotal point.
4: <laughs> Please, David. I know what she has as a telephone screensaver. <laughs> oh, it's her. Please be a dog? It's her standing next to Lucy Hredetska at the net when they're about to play Serena and Venus Williams at the US Open. Oh, that's
3: excellent. Oh, that's very good. Because
4: she is a super fan of Serena Williams. And... Her eyes glaze over when when you ask her who her favourite player is, and she and she gets to talk about having walked out onto the court against Serena in doubles and and Venus. I mean, really, it was really lovely actually because she's quite she's quite reserved, quite I, I don't know whether shy is the right word, but she's quiet. You know, she's she's quite serious and and not 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 like Miriam Draven dropping one liners all the time and all, you know all that sort of thing. But really nice, and really, she was really trying to give a good interview, not, not that experienced, I didn't think, at them. But then when Serena's name was brought up, you just saw the, the, the kid who loved tennis and fell for Serena Williams and just watched every match she played and then suddenly got the chance to, to play against her in doubles. And, and her agent just said, show him the screen. <laughs> she just <laughs> immediately got it out and she really wanted to share it. Wow. And uh, and it was really nice. Uh, I liked her very much.
2: And and they won that match. I think mm. en- and yeah. ended the doubles career of that, that's Serena. Right. That was Serena's final yeah. US Open match, wasn't it? I in wonder in how
3: long that that lock screen will remain. It's always a difficult moment when you well, of, it was, you it know, was get over the sentimentality mm. of what's been a great lock screen photo. But sometimes <laughs> it's just it's just time to move on, isn't it? Well,
4: mm. I mean, the other thing is that. She's obviously had this, uh, this win now over Igor Svantec. Obviously, mm. that's the biggest moment of her singles career. But she was at pains to say there will never be anything quite like this moment because wow. this, was, this mm. was something that, I, you know, you can't replace that. Um, I do get the feeling that she, she believes that she can, can go further here. Uh, I'd like not Obviously, you, be, you have to believe that. But I get the sense that inside her, she thinks she's got the game and um yet she's not she's not shouting about it she's just got this quiet confidence that that comes through i think you you mentioned that when she was playing igus fante will be in the main interview room at okay good to know um so yeah noskova I, I i think this is this is a confident player You don't go and beat Igor Strontag on a big court unless you've got confidence and self-belief. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch how all of these players deal with this new scenario.
3: Yeah, Yastrzemska Nozkova, Zheng, Kalinskaya. Those (laughs) those are the quarter... One of those is reaching the Australian Open final.
2: I mean, that... Like, if that was first-round matches in a WTA 250... Yeah. You'd be like... oh
3: yeah okay cool decent draw yeah
2: it's wild
3: it really it yeah it really is (laughs) wild wild.
2: like when you're in it like it feels wild but also it's sort of i don't know it sort of makes sense because i don't know you sort of just go along with it don't you but if you if you take if you actually take a step back from this tournament it is insane what has happened in that top half
3: yeah absolutely and then you you've kind of got this great contrast to the men's, which have had a a kind of, well, not kind of, a relatively quiet week so far in terms of upsets.
2: Yeah, and and I just walked past the ITF uh, stats guy on on the way to this podcast who, who, who gave me another one for this show. The 1984 French Open men had the top seven ranked players and the number 11 in the quarterfinals this is the sort of best ranked quarter final lineup other than that in in open era history we've got the top 6 and then the number 9 and the number 12 wow like it's like it's a, it's the complete opposite of uh, of of certainly of the top half of that women's draw
3: yeah it is it does it feel like an increasingly crazy contrast you've got we still, we still could end up with a, you know, Sabalenka-Goff semi-final and a one of those two against chim wen and you know, it could end up still being a, a real headline blockbuster mm. final. But right, right now, it feels like absolute carnage, doesn't it, in the, <laughs> the women's?
0: Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast
4: listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com tennis. That's homechef.com tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right.
3: Just before I get on to talk about those men's matches and, and moment of the day, which definitely... Wasn't from a tennis match. I'm going to tell you about On Location, the premium hospitality An and experience, experience provider. provider. Um, we're thrilled to be sponsored by On Location throughout the Australian Open. And as we've been telling you, they offer ticket, hospitality and travel packages for all sorts of things. We've been telling you about the Olympics. They also offer all those packages for the BNP Paribas Open in Indian Wells, Miami Open, Madrid Open, Roland Garros, Wimbledon, US Open, Labour Cup. Pretty much everything, folks. If you want to go to tennis, then on location are your people. And we have a 10% all... Going to pass on that. We have a 10% discount code for tennis podcast listeners on 2024 Roland Garros official VIP ticket packages, courtesy of Steve Vogel's international tennis tours. And of course, those packages include tickets to the tennis, brilliant tickets to the tennis on Philippe Chatrier Court, but also access to La Mezzanine at L'Orangerie. You're saying that well. Mm, I do, it's I, a
4: good job I'm not doing that read, isn't it? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I like saying it. There's, it's one of the best French words, l'orangerie, I think. Um, yeah, it, it's, it, it sounds lovely. It sounds like a quintessentially French experience watching tennis and then going to eat some lovely food uh, and drink some cocktails in an orangerie. Uh, sounds good to me. And there's a 10% discount code available for tennis podcast listeners. The discount code is Clay Season, C-L-A-Y-S-E-A-S-O-N. Uh, you enter that at checkout on the webpage page toursfortennis.com forward slash podcast tours. The number four tennis.com forward slash podcast. That discount code is for Roland Garros and it's available for all tennis podcast listeners. We also have a 5% discount code, which is applicable to all on location tennis events besides the Olympics. So as I was saying, Indian Wells, Miami, Madrid, Wimbledon, US Open, Labor Cup, which is in Berlin this year great city that discount code is exclusively for friends of the pod so yeah if you're thinking of becoming a friend anyway and there's lots of other reasons to do that there is also that five percent discount code on travel packages for all those wonderful tennis events terms and conditions apply now with the men i'm going to start off not with the tennis i'm going to start off with a Jim courier daniel medvedev moment that provided us a lot of joy in our day today
2: it sure did, and when I saw that Jim Courier was going to interview Daniil Medvedev, I, I think I said, "Oh, this promises much," and it delivered and and, and then some. It was it was an all time great on court interview. It was it was interactive, which we have never really had before. I mean, actually, I did see Jim Courier interview Yannick Sinner the other day, and he asked Yannick Sinner to get his racket out of his bag, and they started talking through his racket. and But all due respect to Yannick Sinner. Daniel Medvedev was the right person for the interactive interview because he took the mic and delivered a, well, a masterclass.
3: A demo. They went mm. on a walkabout. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was absolutely sensational. Now, David, you were watching this from your Five Live commentary position, which is right at the back of the Rod Laver arena. So presumably you were watching this happen sort of inches away from you and yet couldn't hear what they were saying because you were commentating on another tennis match at the time.
4: Correct. I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out what happened because <laughs> I could see there was shenanigans going on, but I didn't know what they were.
3: Um, they were having a very in-depth chat about Daniel Medvedev's extraordinary return of serve position, which is sort of on average, I think I heard them say on the Channel 9 coverage earlier, five metres behind the baseline for a
4: first serve. <laughs> He's closer to us where we are in the back of the court commentary box than he is the baseline.
3: <laughs> and he was asked by Jim Courier to talk about the evolution of this happening in his game because he didn't play like this throughout juniors and it's got more and more exaggerated as he's gone on. And he said, well, my return from a normal place is not that good. So he thought maybe I should do something
2: different. And he cited a very specific match against Joe Wilfred Songa where he realised this.
3: Yes, it's Joe Wilfred Songer catching strays on the court where he had his best ever result. <laughs> um, yeah, he decided maybe I should do something different. Um, and he said the best thing about returning from back here, he said, what's good is from here it's very hard to hit it out. <laughs> Cause it's, because it's so far away from the court. <laughs>
2: I mean, like, it's also really hard to hit it in yeah. from all the way back there, yeah. I would have said.
3: Jim Curry did uh, did kind of Point that out. Mm. Um, And then Jim Courier said, um, but what if someone hits a drop shot and (laughs) you're back there? And he went, it's a problem. (laughs) And then he started giving us in-depth analysis on his final against Carlos Alcaraz in Indian Wells. He said, yeah, it's a problem. See my match against Carlos Alcaraz at Indian Wells where I had my pants pulled down by (laughs) Carlos Alcaraz's drop shot, basically. And he said, then I went to Miami and everyone's going... Well the thing to do against Daniel Medvedev is to hit the drop shot against him and he goes the thing is if your drop shot isn't good I'm going to win the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was
2: awesome. Wasn't oh, it? I I loved it so much. Mm. Like the perfect interviewer and the perfect person to be to be answering those questions. Mm. It was just a dream combination.
3: And it was um it was elaborated on in press because I mean there weren't that many people in there. that there, there was quite a lot going on at the time. I was in the right room, folks. That is not <laughs> that is not fake news. Um evolution. <laughs> but myself and a couple of other journalists were kind of wanting to pick up on and get him to elaborate on things he was saying in that interview with Jim Courier and I, I, I asked him whether whether he's ever prepared to compromise that return position. And he said, yes, depending on the opponent, he said, I'm not desperate to do it. Cause I do think that's where I return best from, but I, but he basically said, I'm not too proud to change it. And he did say, in fact, I think I should have changed it against Djokovic in the U S open final. And I didn't. And that's, that's a bit of a learning that he, that he took from that. Um, and, uh, yeah, he he talked about his head-to-head with Hubert Hercatch, who he plays in the next round. He knew all about that head-to-head, knew that he'd had problems with him what the last it, few times it? that he played him. It's 3-2 in Hercatch's favour, but Hercatch has won the most recent two, um, which, on a hard court, you know, Medvedev's a hard court specialist, mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's surprising it's not surprising that you know Hukac is a top 10 player isn't it it's not surprising that he would be capable of challenging Medvedev but it's it, it's surprising to me and I asked Medvedev why he thought it is and he went into a lot of detail about exactly why Hubert Hukac's serve is so good because my question was there's plenty of other great servers out there that you don't have that kind of trouble with yeah. what is it about her catch and he said it's the combination of the power and the placement and he said that's that's quite rare basically and he said the only it, the only other person he kind of put in that bracket was Novak Djokovic actually he said he's not it's not quite as hard as Hubert her but it has beefed up in the last few years and the, the placement the precision is is just about as good as as anyone
2: that was that was a uh, point that I forgot to make after the Djokovic-Mannarino match yesterday, was how many more aces and how much easier it was for Novak Djokovic to hold serve against Mannarino than Ben Shelton. And we think of Ben Shelton as one of the biggest servers, best servers, but the fact that Djokovic hits his spots just makes all the difference. Like, Shelton's serve was huge, but Mannarino was able to get his racket on it, as we, as we talked about, and deflect it. With Djokovic, like they're they good big serves, but they're just they're in the corner, and mm. it's like increasingly difficult, I think, for players to get that back. So that's that's interesting that Medvedev mm. sort of pointed pointed that out alongside Harkatcher, whose look his serve is, is awesome, isn't it?
3: Mm. He basically said, "I'm I'm preparing for tie breaks." <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, Harkatcher was good today, wasn't he? Three sets against Arthur Kazul, I think two of them tie breaks.
2: Yeah. yeah, the first two sets.
3: Um, so look, as you'd he's going to take, play tie breaks against pretty much everyone, isn't he? But we've seen him fluff a few tie breaks in big moments, haven't we? I'm I'm thinking of Djokovic at Wimbledon last year. I know that's the toughest task, Djokovic. Well, Djokovic anywhere, but he had play. He played so well for three sets, didn't he? Gets himself into tie breaks and then just. His forehand crumbles. So, look, it still could happen when he comes up against the best. Which, you know, it's going to be a step up for him against Medvedev. But to have that that tiebreak muscle memory in him from the tournament so far, it's got to help.
2: Yeah, I'd say so. And and, and also, I think we've I don't know whether we've given catch a bit of a pass really in, in in the past for his Grand Slam record. Like, this is his first ever. Grand Slam quarter final on a hard court you know like and you and you think of the the, the results that he's had on the tour he is this is com- a
3: Miami Open champion yeah
2: he's completely underperformed yeah, it's a big underachievement at the slams and I think probably he gets a pass because we never really expect him to win it so when he goes out it never really feels like a massive deal he's not sort of one to really talk up his own chances he's not sort of yeah he, he just exists in this sort of slight bracket of his own I suppose um, and finally he's he, he's come through the first four rounds of a slam obviously he's, he's reached the Wimbledon semi-final but only one and this is by far his best slam result since then so you know credit to him for that and he's sort of unlike you know Rublev, we say, has got a bit of a match-up problem with Sinner. We expect tomorrow. We expect Fritz the same with Djokovic. Like he's actually got a match-up that he likes here. Hubert actually, Medvedev. Like if he was playing any of the other top four seeds, I think we probably would say he's got very minimal chance. But actually, the way the the way the draw has fallen for him is is sort of favourable. So um, I think I think Medvedev's probably got his got his work cut out based on that head-to-head.
3: And he was good today overall, Medvedev, against Nuno Borges, except except when he really wasn't. Um, he did something really calamitous uh, at the end of the third set just as he was about to cross the finish line. And I I don't quite understand what what happened.
2: No, it was bad. It was really bad. It, he, couldn't, he stopped being able to serve. He just... Kept serving double faults. Uh, he was really sort of ratty with his box during that period of the match as, match as well. He kept doing this thing of wanting the balls delivered to a certain ball kid, which I which I, I have seen players do, and I've seen I maybe seen him do it bef- a little bit before, but he was doing it all the time. It was sort of a bit obsessive and weird. And he just lost his head. He lost five games in a row. Had a couple of match points, which were well saved by Nuno Borges, but just a, a really bad patch there from Medvedev. And, and he said afterwards he was feeling it physically, didn't he? Um, and he, he felt that that was maybe a little bit of the reason why. And I he was. Why. I mean,
4: it, I never think of him as
2: struggling. Physically. Well, I
3: think it's still that the five set. 7 a.m. to bed. Oh, yeah. I mean, he said, Look, I felt fine before the match and I felt fine for most of the match, but then I got into a tight spot and suddenly I was feeling it. Like, I think when he's okay, it's not an issue, but when he's not okay, he suddenly remembers that a few few days ago he went to bed at 7 a.m. and. Can relate to that. I mean, yeah.
4: <laughs> even even with you know, not playing tennis, but the hours we keep, some days you just say, why, why don't I feel so good?
3: Yeah he said I just hope it, I just hoped it would not be five sets and I'm very happy that it was not five sets so yeah uh he was asked by courier are you back to normal and he said I was pretty dead to be honest at the end of the third set so um but he, he you know he's not I think he'll be fine physically in a couple of days time and it whatever the outcome I don't think it'll be the most physical of matches. So Medvedev against Hrkac and the other quarterfinal that was set up today is Zverev against Alcaraz. Zverev, five sets deciding set, ten point tie break against poor old heartbroken Cameron Norrie right now who played good enough tennis overall to win I think. Didn't play it at the right time. David you you watched pretty much every point of this.
4: Yeah, I thought, thought Norrie was superb. Um, picking up from where he left off against Kasparud, again approached the net more than 50 times, used some clever drop shots, slightly fluffed his lines with a couple of them in the when it really mattered right at the end. Um, and this was a very similar match to the one that Zverev played against Lucas Klein, where I genuinely felt the other guy was the better player. For, for during the match. And you have to hand it to Zverev that he comes through so many of those sorts of matches. This was the 31st five-set match of his career. He's won 21 of them. I mean, that's you know, for, for somebody of his age, that is a heck of a lot of five-set matches. I mean, and I think that that's a pr- been a big problem for him. He, he gets himself involved in far too many epics. I don't actually think he's playing very well at the moment. I mean, his forehand was... A disaster for most of the match he actually pulled it together in the fifth set but he hit 40 something errors in the first four sets from the forehand um, half and half forced and, and unforced but you know Norrie just knew he could just target that shot and it would very often produce an error um, and I don't see how he gets away with that against Alcaraz. I, I just can't imagine it um, and Norrie I think I asked him did you leave that court thinking you should have won? And he, I think he was a bit surprised by the directness of that question. Um, and he didn't say it explicitly, but I think he probably feels that. Um, but then, like I say, you've got, you've got to put these people away. And it's hard to put Zverev away in those matches.
3: I've got some comfort for him Oh yeah, if he's listening, Cam Norrie. Uh, I got a ping from my dad midway through this match.
4: Is he on the boat?
3: Well, 7.56pm <laughs> local time, I am revising my opinion of Cameron Norrie.
2: What was, it, well, yeah, what was his opinion of well, Cameron Well, I don't
3: think we need to go into details because this, <laughs> this is supposed to be a pick-me-up for Cam if he's listening. Uh, but I asked, this is a boat-worthy re- effort, I reckon, so far. This is just as Cam Norrie was taking it into a fifth set. And my dad replied to that, he has a lot of ground to make up. <laughs> But it gets better. Cam, hang in there. It, it gets better. Um, uh, he, I, I, so then the, the chat res- we said, we'll resume this at the end of the match. His, my dad's assessment was, he's a over, better overall player than I had thought. His drop shots and net play surprised me, and his angled backhands are a serious shot. That he didn't win is a detail, really. I think he's gone up a level. I said, good analysis. And the boat? I think not. <laughs> Just hang on. This is where it. Th- hang in there, Cam. This I'm is where still, it, I'm still waiting. <laughs> this is it me up. gets reassuring. He's listening. Just possibly in the future, if he can relax and broaden his perspective, which may come with more success on the court, is something to aim for. <laughs>
2: <laughs> broaden his perspective. I
3: don't quite know what that means, but
2: that. That feels like quite a tough scene for any tennis players to be on the boat if they need to have broad <laughs> perspective.
3: That's true. Yeah, Cam Norrie is absolutely not a particularly bad offender in that field, I would say. Um, yeah, he said he can't be doing with the fist pumps. My dad's not a oh, not a fist pump guy. I, I was quite into the fist pumps. I was too, yeah. I think maybe my dad saw that interview where he encouraged people to call him the Noz Dog. <laughs> okay, i with mean, oh, it yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's... That's some of the ground that he made up.
4: That aside, the last two tennis matches Cam Norrie has played have both made me feel things. I, I,
2: I've never seen David so into Cam Norrie. <laughs> I've loved it.
3: <laughs> yeah, the people David's got into this week. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what a, it's, it's what good,
3: a wild week! It's good to be open-minded.
4: <laughs> um,
3: and it will be Alcaraz next, as you said, for Alexander Zverev, um, who was. Awesome tonight. What did you do well? Jim Currier asked him. Everything. Thanks for doing our analysis for us, Carlos.
2: Yeah. Everything followed by one of his great big grins. He And he was ridiculously good tonight.
3: I, I increasingly think, bless him, Alcaraz shouldn't actually say anything in interviews. He should just do grins. He did.
2: Although he should name a woman. Yeah, when asked to name a woman.
3: Yeah. There was a... There was a bad, bad, the interview gods giveth and they taketh away today because for all the joy we got from Daniel Medvedev, there was a slightly unfortunate name a woman, oh dear, he can't moment for Carlos Alcaraz. He was on the spot, um, but it wasn't great, was it? It really wasn't great. But his tennis was, his tennis was great.
2: His tennis was brilliant. But I am still thinking about the interview. <laughs>
3: yeah, it's unfortunate, isn't mm. it? Um, but he really did only need to come up with one woman. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, they had to be a WTA player, but there's lots of them. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I was literally I was shouting at the screen, Shvontek, just say Svantec, Sabalenka, <laughs> go off anyone. He's done some Instagram chat with Emma Radicanu. He could have said her. Did he, did he mis- anyone. Did
4: he misunderstand what he was supposed to say?
3: Or... Uh, no, his role think, in it. I don't think so. I don't okay. know.
2: I, th- I think maybe he was just... I think... I think he was almost a bit embarrassed.
3: Let's hope he panicked. Yeah. I think so.
2: Yeah. He knows
3: female tennis
2: <laughs> players.
3: He does. Yeah, of, of course he does. But... Yeah. Anyone want to say anything more about his tennis?
4: I mean... it' He was just on it from ball one. He's mm. playing Miramir who's who was a, a, a nightmare to, to to play against on paper, given their previous match, the fact that Ketsmanovic has been playing so well recently. I, d- I didn't watch all of it, so I don't know how well he played or didn't play, but it just struck me that he didn't get a chance to play. This was Alcaraz. He, he often doesn't play his best stuff in the middle of grand slams or the early start stages of grand slams, he often drops a set, or he, you know, he's a bit erratic and and it's highlight reel one second, and then oh dear, he's dumped one in the net. You know, you are waiting for him to just produce consistently high standard tennis, not all high, highlight reel stuff, but consistently good stuff from his upper level. And I just think that's what we got today. Mm. He, there were some wow moments, but. It was also just bloody good tennis, solid tennis, winning tennis.
3: Yeah, there, were, there was, there was a one forehand that elicited quite a noise out of, out of Matt. <laughs> Even in the midst of his newsletter research.
2: Yeah, I think I was looking at the 1978 Roland Garros draw at that stage <laughs> and suddenly I woke up because Carlos Alcaraz <laughs> hit this incredible forehand. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's so audacious his tennis. That's what I like about it. Like mm, it's he's, just extra, isn't it? Yeah, he like he tries things. Like it's fun it's always fun and entertaining. And today, as well, as David said, it had the solidity and the efficiency to it. It was I thought he was brilliant today and in that form against a pretty weary, I expect, Alexander Zverev after after that effort today, after the effort the other day against Lucas Klein, let's not forget the United Cup as well. That was a that was a big effort that Zverev put in. I just think he's absolutely there for the taking, and I think Alcaraz will will bring it.
3: Which means another on court interview for Alcaraz, and hopefully another opportunity to come back and <laughs> name a woman.
2: <laughs> just one.
3: <laughs> he'll he'll do it next time. He, he'll he, just give him another chance. Um, Tomorrow's schedule, we start with the quarter-finals. The first singles match on Lever tomorrow, 1pm. Marta Kostyuk against Coco Goff. And then here's the surprise, folks, and this was a surprise, I think, for all of us. In the day session, not before 2.30, Novak Djokovic against Taylor Fritz. I think we all thought maybe if Alex Dominoor had beaten Andre Rublev, that Dominoor... Might end up in the, the night session slot for his quarterfinal. I think we all thought once the Aussie had gone out, of course it'll be Djokovic. He's, he's done his time in the day session. He's played the one match. He's nailed on for 7pm first night session match from now on. Here he is in the day. What, what do we think?
4: I think uh, US ESPN TV have decided to pull rank and say we want... We want Taylor Fritz, our boy, against the greatest of all time in our time zone. It's
2: primetime
4: California, isn't mm. it? Yeah, that's what I think's happened. And. Uh, it's a hot day tomorrow. Yeah. What did you say the first match was? Goff Kostyuk. There you go. I think that that's, that that's what ESPN would have wanted. And I think that that's what they've got. I'm only speculating, but I mean, you know, they pay some serious money. Um. And because we know that Djokovic would have asked for 7pm, he told us the other day, I love 7pm, and uh, don't they all? Um, But this this is the worst case scenario for him, it's going to be quite warm tomorrow. Fritz is a, a warm weather player, and if he played his best tennis it could get physical. I still think Djokovic wins. Um, and probably pretty handily. And listen, if he gets off to a good start, he could roll him again because he often does, but it's not what he would have wanted.
3: Mm. Very interesting. And it does also mean that first night session slot goes to the women. Irina Sabalenka against Barbora Krujcikova. Absolutely how it should be. Pleased to see that match in that slot. And then Yannick Sinner against Andrei Rublev, the final singles match of the day. And it's it's all all the singles on RLA from now on because we're at that stage of the tournament folks it's officially the business end and that's it it's not even midnight guys amazing we've done it day nine <laughs> finished before midnight I don't
4: know what to do with myself.
3: shall I take ages over the uh, the mascots and the shout outs just to just to get us over the midnight finish line no no <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, I will tell you about them though. We have Usher, our mascot for Yay! the whole of the Australian Open. I was reminded today whilst watching uh, the Bills, uh, Bills versus Chiefs playoff playoff game that Usher, the human, is playing the Super Bowl halftime show. I prefer this year. Usher, Usher the dog. Oh, it's not even not even close, David. Okay, cool. We're in agreement. I think that's a a. a a low-rent signing for the Super Bowl halftime show. I think that's a come-down from Rihanna, put it that way.
2: Yeah. But I won't be watching. You won't watch the Super Bowl? In the middle of the night with no bills? Quite possibly not. Taylor Swift might be involved. But that means the Chief's being there. <laughs>
3: have we arrived at a world where I'll be watching the Super Bowl and Matt won't what's <laughs> I happening I think we have what's happening in the world David Francis right
4: Francis what happened today oh no I didn't win again oh I had a final set tie break Francis I mean I, we almost did it mm. Darwin we
3: did not, not almost close. do it not even close that
2: was a good pick actually
3: I think David uh, Matt Hyder and Soma what did you go for
2: uh, we had a retirement unfortunately Alina Svitolina Tough scene, just, just a tough, tough scene.
3: scene. Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. There is a picture of Billie Jean on our Instagram stories right now. Do, do check it out. Uh, we have top folks and executive producers, Greg, Chris, Jamie and Jeff. Hello and thank you. And we have shout outs, Matt.
2: We have Isabel Cantin or Contin. And actually we had a Pierre Cantin or Contin very recently. So... I'm wondering whether they're oh. related. Let us know. Mm.
3: Please like, do. Like uh, Isabel Lacey, the British junior, that is playing tomorrow.
4: Yep.
2: That's all Open I can to all other I offers, David. <laughs> I haven't got any. In fact, Isabel says, my brother and I love tennis. I wonder if, oh. I wonder if Pierre is the brother. After university he convinced me that taking a gap year to go and see tennis tournaments around the world was a sane idea. So I did and it was great. That does sound great. Of course it was great. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Love that. Thank you,
3: Isabel. Yeah, thanks for being a friend.
2: We've also got Georgia Hing who is in Sydney. Right, Georgia? Hello
3: Georgia, like Matt's brother. Sister. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs>
2: Hello, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether she gets to
4: the shout-outs. Ab- Let's I, hope not. I was about to say Georgia Hall, but that's a golfer, isn't it? Yes. That's a golfer. Yeah.
3: Georgia... Yeah. Midnight Train to Georgia. <laughs> okay. It's a banger of a tune. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more about Georgia.
2: Uh, here's a fun story if you want to share I guess I am sharing in the mid 90s when I was a toddler we were staying at a resort in the snowy mountains in New South Wales Australia part of staying at the resort included the opportunity to have a hit with past tennis pros my dad was meant to rally with Pat Cash but ended up playing with Mark Edmondson my dad recounts that Mark praised his one handed backhand and also enjoyed, enjoyed a red wine and steak after seeing him tuck into his dinner post-match.
3: Mark Edmondson,
4: the last male Australian
2: singles champion of the Australian Open. Exactly.
3: Incredible. Thanks, Georgia. Mm. So cool.
2: And finally, we have Joseph Barreto. We know Joseph. Oh, Joseph. We know
3: Joseph.
2: He says, when I was in high school, I appeared on a teen show on public television in the, in NYC called In The Mix. <laughs> <laughs> but now I think I would have preferred to have been on a show called On The Boat.
3: Yes! Oh, <laughs> Joseph. Good work, Joseph. I'm going to speak for my dad and say you're On The Boat. Yay! Yeah. Not with Cameron Norrie, but maybe in the future. Yeah. He's on the wait list.
4: Potential. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. It's, the rest of his career is just one long audition process. He did
4: say His final answer to me in our interview was, I do believe that my best is ahead of me. So, right know, there wow. you go.
3: Show us, Cam. The boat awaits. Thank you, Joseph. <laughs> Thank you to all of our friends at the Tennis Podcast, without whom we would not be sitting in this deserted media cafe, talking about tennis, looking ahead to, what should be a cracking conclusion to this tournament. The, the men's and women's draws are looking... So, so different, aren't they? But they, they both hold their own intrigue, and we are pumped, or pamped, in the words of <laughs> Hubert Hercatch. We are pamped for the days to come. Do join us. We'll speak to you tomorrow.
1: it.